Brought to you by Make Fun Network. Hey everybody, Max here. Today's episode is our live show, and we had a blast making it, but I wanted to make a couple of quick notes before we get into it. First, it's short. We only had half an hour because we were opening for another show, so we are racing through this. I think it's really fun. I think you're going to like it, but it's shorter than usual. Two. It's echoey. We were recording inside of a huge room at the YWCA, and the sound quality suffered just a bit because of it. We're going to be back to normal next week, and I will see you in the middle of the show. Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. And welcome to Anachronismo. We're a historical podcast where we bring in strange historical stories and tell jokes about them. We're doing this in half an hour. Usually we take about an hour and a half and edit it down to an hour. So we're in for a ride. Uh, <laughs> welcome. If any of you have heard of us before, it's great to see you here. If any of you have guest hosted it with us, good to see you too. And if any of you have written a fanfic about us, hi, Bebek. Um, <laughs> raise your hand. Raise your hand, Bebek. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about the Straw Hat Riots of 1922. And I'll be talking about Robert Liston, a pioneering surgeon in the 1800s. So without further ado or further yuck yucks to distract us from the wonder of history, we're going to launch right in. So you know how you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day, right? That's a thing that you've heard about in movies that are now sadly outdated. So... You used to not be supposed to wear straw hats after September 15th. They were strictly summer wear. And they used to be a thing for just, oh, out in the countryside, oh, on a boat. But they became a thing for gentlemen in the city to wear because it was, you know, fun summer fashion. And to wear a straw hat after September 15th marked you as a rube and a buffoon. Yes, I know it's a fun word, Jackie, buffoon. <laughs> yep. That's a really harsh thing to come down. Like, I don't know, maybe if you just lose track of the days and you walk out with that straw hat and you look down the street, mm-hmm. just everyone's staring at you and just giving you dirty looks. And oh, then... far worse than that, Noel. Oh. They would start knocking your hat off with long <laughs> sticks. <laughs> In fact, this was particularly a thing for children to do. It was a tradition for children to run after men after September 15th who were still wearing straw hats and just knock off their hat, knock it off with a stick. Oh, it's fun. And then just trample it into the dirt because they were rubes and buffoons and thus not deserving of society's pity. Hats are so, <laughs> hats are so close to your eyes. Yes. With sticks. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> okay. So... This, this was a thing. This was a tradition. This was going on in the cities in, 1920, in the 1920s. And in 1922... That recently? Yes. Uh, wow. More recently than that, really. But we're focusing specifically on the 1920s. Okay. So, in 1922, on September 13th, a group of teens in the Mulberry Bend area of Manhattan decided that they couldn't wait another two days to start knocking off hats with sticks, having enough scallion time. Oh, knock it off. And they just started knocking people's hats off and trampling them into the dirt wherever they went, particularly with factory workers. So this was, of course, shitty of them. Yeah, but I mean, you get like a group of vigilante kids to just start knocking strangers' hats off. They're just like, I don't care what day it is. This is fun. Well, there were some people who did care what day it was, Noel. And those were the dock workers whose hats they knocked off, who decided to fight these teens. So, 
When these teens went to knock the hats off of some local dock workers, the dock workers decided that they weren't going to allow these rapscallions to get away with it and decided to punch them and kick them, as one does in polite society. Um, so this turned from a, a, a scuffle to a full-on brawl that spilled out onto the Manhattan Bridge, stopping traffic for several hours oh my <laughs> until eventually the police were called and they broke up the riot and arrested several of the dock workers. When you say eventually, why not immediately? <laughs> like, it's the 1920s, baby. They ain't got no phones. They were still fighting for hours before someone yeah. came. They must have been tired. <laughs> Fighting's hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so some people ended up arrested, imprisoned, and all of that. But that wasn't the end of it. The fights continued to break out and escalate throughout the, the evening of that day. I have to believe that there was already some sort of animosity between the teens and the dock workers. Like I, an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the teens were trying to tear down the dock workers' uh, entertainment hall. No, it's not entertainment hall. Come on, I can do a better pull than that. Uh, leisure hall. No. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a joke for me. They fought throughout the evening. Police tried to like break them up. Another riot would break out down the road, and they would do various things. And, you know, they would sort of went on, and it sort of died out by the time the night came. And the, uh, the next day, uh, the New York Times reported that, quote, the inalienable right of a man to wear a straw hat in a snowstorm if he desires is to be upheld in this city by both police and the magistrates. And a warning was broadcast to all straw hat smashers that jail terms await them if they attempt any such carnival today. That's strongly worded. It's very strongly worded. Yeah. <laughs> but the riots continued for two more days. <laughs> After they had a night to sleep it over and oh, think yeah. about it. I was getting just angrier and there angrier There has to be an underlying it. issue. <laughs> just be about that. I mean, it's probably class warfare, if anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's be honest here. In uh, what I read, because it's not a well-documented riot, unfortunately, it's about a fun, silly thing of straw hats being knocked off by rapscallions. People haven't done that much serious analysis of the underlying causes. Mm. Or they have, but I wasn't able to afford the book, uh, <laughs> which is it's called Off With His Hat, and it was published in 1950-something. Uh, and there are like 10 copies, and I can't afford one. So I was doing ancillary research from secondary sources. Well, tertiary sources at this point. Oh, I'll check the Minuteman library system. Oh, it's pro- it's, it's it. probably there. I like to think you got everything from like a, the Amazon book reviews. <laughs> You've just been combing those all day, just looking for key phrases. This review says... This book speaks honestly and frankly about the thousands of youths that beat up men wearing straw hats. Did you find this review useful? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so speaking of thousands of youths, by the next day, a gang of a reported to be about a thousand teens, okay. I know, I know, this may be exaggerated, were snatching hats all along Amsterdam Ave, uh, beating and hospitalizing several men who refused to give up and their hats. These weren't just dock workers at this point. No, no. This was like a small army of teenagers. These, just <laughs> these were just men who weren't ready to change their hat out for another day. All right. Yeah, this was a small army of teenagers. Max, if you were a burly dock worker. Yes. Okay, hold and on. Some, hold on. Okay, I'm there. I'm in the mindset. Okay. And some ruffian teens came over and started knocking over your hats. How many of them do you think you could, like, hold off? Am I by the docks? 
Yeah, yeah, you have the sea at your back, well, I would so hurl, they can't surround you. Okay, okay, I would hurl several into the ocean. Ooh, the all right. waves would consume them. So you would murder them. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. They would drown in the ocean. <laughs> That's not murder. <laughs> That's an unfortunate tendency of nature. I would simply transport them to the waves. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I think I could take perhaps five or six. Yeah, all right. yeah. If I had the, the, the ocean on my side, as Hemingway did. Jackie, what about you? Would you also resort to murder like uh, Max did? Just start killing people <laughs> just because they messed up your hat? I'm pretty sure I would just run away. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cowardly dock worker. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said any number. Like, it could have just been one of them, one or two. It doesn't have to be like a whole five or six of them. You know, I'm going to use my inalienable right to just run away. All right. And, That's know, a good right to have. <laughs> no, someone's not a coward for refusing to kill. I don't know what to believe from <laughs> you now. <laughs> so, yes, thousands of teens riding with sticks, some of which were reported to have nails in them. <laughs> Yeah. Presumably to make it easier to snag hats. Uh, that's, um, that's well, that's just ingenuity <laughs> right there. Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, my science fair project was about how much water could flow through a tube. Theirs was about how to destroy hats most efficiently. <laughs> you know, who am I to judge? So complaints poured in. And as their police broke up one riot, uh, often one would start a few blocks over, as the teens dispersed and found more men in hats. And those men who had previously had hats found the teens. Like a sort of roaming party of fisticuffs and nail bats. Um, <laughs> even one police sergeant was reported to have tripped and fallen in a gutter when chasing his hat that had been battered off his head. <laughs> Were the police hats made of straw? Well, uh, th- At this point, it was any hat? And I, it, it could be. Wow. Uh, it could be any hat, or it could be a particularly unfashionable police officer. Who's to say it was the 20s? The jazz age. The roaring 20s. The Great Gatsby was being written. <laughs> um, I just have an image of a police horse wearing a straw hat, and it's, <laughs> that's what's making me giggle. <laughs> it's to keep the sun off his ears. By the 16th of September, the riots died off. It is speculated it is because most people had switched from straw hats to silk and felt ones. <laughs> so Those seem to be more easily target. destroyed and more expensive. Yes, but they were in fashion, Noel, which is the strongest... <laughs> Motivator the, for teenagers. <laughs> I was going to say the strongest protection of all. That's how you end wars. You just dress better? <laughs> dress that's, better than your enemy. That's the lesson from this story. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a rec center. Their rec center was under attack. That's, that was going to bother me all night. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so that is the story of the 1922 Straw Hat riots. Yeah, but how, what happened to these kids? Oh, like, did they get arrested? No. <laughs> wow. Some, some did. Most didn't. Most, you know what? One of them might have been somebody's grandfather in this very room. Is anyone here from New York? And hates straw hats? Anybody? And... Oh my god, all my gran- grandfathers were from New York in the 20s. I, I think that's all the proof we need. No, he was born in 1927. That's so great. he was a baby. So uh, you're a great-grandfather. No. I think the generations don't work. It's okay, fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> a likely story. My family is innocent. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were the dock workers. I don't know. Well, you're, I'm just imagining us a baby dock worker. <laughs> it's not safe. But that was before they had child labor laws. <laughs> I don't mm. know what my great-grandfather did, so it's I'm, open. <laughs> I'm guessing surly teen. I'm still amazed at how long they were able to like keep all this fighting up. Like, three days of just fighting in the city. Because like, it seems like it's one of those adrenaline rush things. Like, after 
like two or three minutes, you'd just be totally wiped out. Like it just is mind boggling that they were just fighting for hours and days. I'm picturing a lot of tired, cranky teens just throwing this weak, ineffectual haymakers, stepping out, getting an orange slice, coming back in, wiping their head, tagging back in with another teen. Oh, yeah. Themselves gets an orange slice. You know, maybe there's a, a riot mom on the sides handing out orange slices. <laughs> <laughs> really invested in the results. <laughs> the riot mom is, of course, the precursor of the modern punk movement, Riot Girl. Um, <laughs> uh, for the one person in the front row. <laughs> My girlfriend in the front row. Uh, yes. So we have 17 minutes left, so let's get on to the next story. Ooh, right. Usually okay. we have a hypothetical question here, but there's simply no time. I asked how many teenagers you could take care of and you just resorted to murdering them and throwing them in the ocean yeah i answered the question okay we did have a hypothetical you're a murderer (laughs) okay a hypothetical oh that's true (laughs) (laughs) that straw hat riot so fun hi welcome to the break was that was a little trick i pulled on you i'm recording this nowhere near the time of the live show. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun illusion I've just pulled on you? In fact, I am recording this interlude from my apartment in Alston, also known as the city of a thousand fucking leaf blowers. And I am just here, me, Max, to bring you some info about our show. So let's get into it. First of all, as you know, we're on the Make Fun Network now. Go check out their other shows, Top 5 of Death and This Rules This Sucks. They're a blast. They're kooky. They're spooky. They've got a lot of fun energy and a lot of cool shit that they talk about. Second of all, Let's talk about the reviews. So we've got a new five-star review on iTunes from Dylan Mellon. Hi, Dylan. He says, uh, welcome to the Make Fun Network. I'm glad this podcast joined so I could find it. I highly recommend you listen. Dylan, you're a fucking star, and we love your review. If anybody else out there wants to leave us a review, I, Max, or one of my co-stars will read it on the air, and uh, we're going to give you a shout-out. We love seeing new reviews. We love hearing it. We love hearing that people like our show. So if you like us, maybe drop us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to a podcast. And if you do that, you know, maybe send us an email if you want to, or if you want to contact us in any way, you can contact us at itsanachronismo at gmail.com or on Twitter at at anacpodcast, that's A-N-A-C podcast, or we even have a Facebook page. Anachronismo on Facebook. It's really easy to find. So without further ado, I'm going to get you back into the live show. Let's get you stuck right back in. Yes. So um, Robert Liston was a pioneering surgeon in the 1800s. He was born in 1794 in Scotland, and then he became a surgeon in 1818. Um, So today, what do you think some of the qualities you'd look for in a surgeon are? Immunity from fear. Okay. Steady hands. Steady hands, precision. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of training. Um, a degree. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the, like, likes to wear rubber gloves. Okay, some of these qualities... Doesn't cough much. <laughs> <laughs> so in the 1800s, the, uh, the biggest quality... Owns their own scalpel. <laughs> the biggest quality people cared about was speed. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> was speed. It was seen as very important for survival to minimize pain and shock that the patient would have. Um, and this was the time before anesthetics. So this speed is important. Mm. And Robert Liston was one of the speediest. He was known for doing leg amputations in two and a half minutes from, <laughs> from cut to stitches. <laughs> oh, just in and out, huh? Yeah. 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 He, um, 
He was very speedy. Um, <laughs> Nurse, hand me my axe. <laughs> well, I've got to get out of here. I have a more legs to cut off. No, no, not the wood chopping axe. The bone chopping axe. The big one. Um, so I, I think it's appropriate to skip to the, the quote from medical historian Gordon, who described him thusly. He was 6'2 and operated in a bottle green coat with Wellington boots. He sprung across the bloodstained boards upon his swooning, sprung. <laughs> upon his swooning, sweating, strapped down patient, like a duelist calling, time me gentlemen, time me. This sounds like something you would see in like a, a, like a horror like haunted hayride kind of thing. Yeah, so the uh, quote I, goes on. <laughs> To students craning with pocket watches from iron-railed galleries. Everyone swore that the first flash of his knife was followed so swiftly by the rasp of saw on bone that sight and sound seemed simultaneous. (laughs) To free both hands, he would clasp the bloody knife between his teeth. Oh. So sanitation, not a priority. <laughs> well, you know, if you if you are speedy enough, germs can't get a chance to settle in. So, <laughs> if anything, he was the greatest doctor ever. So it's like the old story of the tortoise and the germ. <laughs> the slow tortoise died of infection. <laughs> so this sounds super reckless, but his ratio for losing patients was one in ten, huh. while most surgeries at the time were one in four. So he was actually really good by the standards of the day. So people would actually line up in his waiting room to have him as their surgeon because his reputation was so good. He would run down the line with a scalpel. (laughs) (laughs) So he was very successful. He made several inventions that are still used today, like the Liston splint, which is used to stabilize a femur if it breaks. And he also invented a kind of locking forcep that I think is no longer in use, but was good at the time. Detractions for him were that he was very arrogant and none of his co-workers liked him. <laughs> that sounds like, you know, I don't know. That seems like that's still kind of a thing with doctors today where they can have sort of an ego about him. And he earned it. But one in 10 people, like... Yeah, he had a much better... And at the hospital picnic every year, undefeated in the 100-yard dash. <laughs> He also took it as kind of like a, a personal point of pride to find patients that other surgeons had turned away and as couldn't lost catch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did they run away? <laughs> Their leg was going to come off. <laughs> so he eventually became the chair of clinical surgery at the University College in London. It was unclear to me from the articles I read if his coworkers didn't like him so much that they banned him from the hospital in Scotland or if he just moved there for a change. Mm. Um, he was that disliked. Wow. So he had several famous cases, one of which it took him four and a half minutes Sort of long okay. for him. Took his time. Uh, to, to remove a 45-pound scrotal tumor <laughs> that someone had. Apparently, the man had previously been using a wheelbarrow to like, carry it around. <laughs> so, I mean... They just couldn't book for him guy. for a while. <laughs> like, I would think when it got to the size of like even a tiny like kid's play wheelbarrow, I'd be like, all right, it's time to take care of this. Well, the thing is, you know, at the time, hospitals had very narrow doors. 
So it was just they had to wait for some renovations to go through. <laughs> so another famous case he had was that he amputated a leg in two and a half minutes. But in his gusto, um, sorry, these all seem to be about testicles. But um, he <laughs> well, you know, if you if, if right. someone's so, working on a testicle, you want them fast. So it's two and a half minutes. He's amputating the leg, and he accidentally took the patient's testicles at the same time. Oh, no. uh, but again, he is so much better than everyone else. <laughs> I just so, was it because his just swipes were too wide? I think the way he switched from instrument to instrument, he, it was just like fast and loose. Wow. Um, like the testicles were <laughs> after that. Yeah. Oh, Christ. So he is also known to be the only person with a, a surgery with a 300% fatality rate on wait, this particular surgery. Wait. Wait, he Wait. undertook a surgery that normally had a 300% fatality no, no, no. rate, or he bumped it up to a 300%. I, wait, 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 wait. How can you have a 300% fatality rate? There's, all, there's 100% is everyone involved in the surgery. Just, just you wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Bring this man back to life. Who did he kill? No, so, so he was amputating a man's leg, mm. and the patient later died of hospital gangrene. Okay. That's usual. That's 100%. Okay. okay, yeah. Checks In the out. process, he cut off his assistant's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and that person also died of gangrene. Uh-huh. Okay. And a third person's testicles. <laughs> no, there was a man observing the surgery. So a witness. Who was standing very close. Uh-huh. That he accidentally cut off the coattails of the man's jacket. And the man freaked out because there was blood everywhere and had a heart attack because he thought he was cut. So he actually wasn't injured by the knife, but died of a heart attack during the surgery. <laughs> and then kids swarmed him and started ruining his hat. <laughs> so just to cap it off, That's... he is also most famous for... This one's good. There's nothing bad coming okay, in this one. Okay, sure. Okay. Um, in 1846, he did the first surgery in Europe to use ether as an anesthetic. Oh. So it's kind of like a nice closing one. He was so fast to save patients from pain. And yeah. then he did the, the first surgery in Europe he, with pain relief. He was probably sick of all the screaming after decades and decades of hearing people yeah. screamed as he killed them on an operating table. Like, I think that it probably got to him in the end. Uh, finally, the only thing that's been slowing me down has been guilt. <laughs> so, I mean, these seem pretty horrific, but we have to keep in mind that he really was the best of his time. I would love so to. So, were s- other doctors just like shooting the other people in the operating room then? <laughs> and, and just like maybe getting a cannon in, shoving someone in, and being like, this will get rid of your headache. All right. So, so, the 300% fatality one might be apocryphal because mm-hmm. so many people didn't like him. Okay. So, okay. It, it's unclear if that was. True. So, so he they, killed his assistant and another person who was in the room. So they, so, wait, so someone else killed those three people and framed him for it. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, he um he died a year later in a boating accident. Accident. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never take my legs. <laughs> Let's see how fast I can do surgery on a moving boat. <laughs> if I can just get the sail to pull my arm, I'm sure I can set a new record. I would love to have seen if they had at that time, like, the two surgeries, like, if they actually operated in the same theater just to see who got faster. It's like an old photo finish, like, with a horse racing, where it's just like, at the last second, and they're like, wow, he got through that sinew at the last second. He's the winner. He beat the horse that was riding across the room with an axe taped to it. (laughs) He was our second best doctor. <laughs> but he broke his leg and now we have to operate. <laughs> 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 
So the biggest complaint was that he was more of a showman than a surgeon, <laughs> which I think comes across from the time me Where's shouting. Where's his musical movie? I don't know. I would watch it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. 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 We actually have enough time for a quick What If They Met. Oh. Yes. So, uh, What If They Met is a segment we do on our show uh, where we simply ask the question, what if two people from each of our stories who were never in each other's presence at any point in history had met? And is usually accompanied by a very long song. Given that we have now six and a half minutes, I will not sing that song, but I will add it in post. Do it. (laughs) Give them a sample. Okay. What if they met? What, 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 what if they met? What if they met? What if they met? Now imagine that for about three more minutes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and the, the tune is not consistent. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. I have a, you've been doing this for every show yeah. that we've done. Not the, every show. We skip it sometimes. Oh, but every time you do it, you yeah. do it very long. Have you ever cut any of it no because you're talking about that we I've, cut down from like an hour and a half no, to an hour has no. that included the three minutes of a babbling sing song uh, things i cut inward breaths outward breaths lip smacks uh when we absolutely say a word we didn't mean to say a digression uh, about bubblegum that didn't matter talk about an old man in a bookstore uh from a guest host things i've never ever cut okay the song <laughs> <laughs> not even once that song is important so now we're at five and a half minutes. Okay. Uh, so I should have just sung it. Um, so what if Robert Liston uh, had been called in to operate on one of the uh, victims of the Straw Hat riots? He would have gathered everyone to watch, mm-hmm. you know? first yeah. of all. Yeah. For the challenge, he would have put his knife on the end of a stick mm-hmm. or used the, the ones with the nail at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then done really well. I think he could have been a big contributing factor to why the fights went on so long. Get them in and out of surgery, and they're back on the streets socking it out. <laughs> so that's my guess. Or like they just lock the bridge with a thousand teens on it. <laughs> he just starts running down the, the hallway, <laughs> uh, giving them just a little bit of testosterone management uh, one like by one. He could do a really good... You got it. <laughs> oh, he was oh, cutting off I their testicles. I, yeah. It took a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Truly, truly awful. So is I that, that going to make the cut? Oh, yeah, that's making the cut. Okay. This is a short episode. Okay. Though I do apologize to that person in the front row who is clearly wincing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you had a question, though. Oh, I've forgotten it. Oh, 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 I was going to say that Robert Liston would probably give a very good pep talk to people prior to fighting. Because mm. it seems like he knows how to feed off the energy of a crowd yeah. Being a showman, yeah. giving like a, a nice declaration right before the surgery. Oh, that sounds like a challenge to me. Supposedly, he would say the time me, gentlemen, time me before every surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just one. That would get <laughs> That's what you want to hear when you're going in for something. Well, my God, my gallbladder's been hurting. Time me. <laughs> uh, I can imagine him like Robert Liston as a teenager during the 1920s. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, listen, I got this giant axe right here. Watch me cut off this guy's hat. (laughs) (laughs) How fast did I do it? (laughs) Uh, Three seconds. Nice. (laughs) Cool. Ending on a positive note, just a whole maiming. (laughs) A whole maiming. Well, I think that's where we're going to end it. Thank you all for enduring that. So uh, we are Anachronismo. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. And we want to thank you all so much for being our second live show audience. You were all wonderful, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so please, yes. <laughs> um, 
and we hope that we'll see you next time here on Anachronismo. Brought to you by Make Fun Network.